Good morning. Turn in your Bibles or on your devices to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 4 as we continue in our series of This is the Way, working through the Sermon on the Mount. Today we're going to be looking at the, uh, the, the challenge that Jesus gives to give righteously, to give righteously. Now, uh, beginning next week, we're going to be pausing from this series and uh, We'll pick that back up later, but next week uh, is Palm Sunday, and so there'll be Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, and then we're going to be coming back to a series on prayer and Jonah after that. So that's kind of just a pathway of where we're going over the next few months. But let's continue in what God and what Christ is teaching as we look to be faithful believers uh, and we follow him. So let's read uh, verses 1 through 4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be applauded by people. I truly, truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this scripture we know is your gift, is perfect. It is given so that it might go to even the joints and the marrow of our heart, that we should understand the truth that you have for each one of us today God, your word is seeking us to reveal things that may even be hidden to us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would rightly listen to your word, that we would be open to the Spirit's leading, that if we need to repent, that we repent, that if there's an area that we found victory, give you praise for the victory. But, Lord, that you would prepare us that we would be better servants because of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, there is a lot of different foods that you could taste that might look different on the outside than what you expect on the inside. And let me tell you, there is nothing worse, right, than when you take a bite into something and you're expecting one thing except something soured or, or, or not ripe. You think it's going to taste a certain way and it doesn't. Well, there are fruits throughout the world that look tastes differently than what it looks on the outside. There's a fruit called the jackfruit, which looks like some medieval weapon. It is just a, it looks like a spike, and you'd say, certainly this is, you know, I don't even want to touch that fruit. But when you open it, it tastes almost like a pineapple, almost some describe it as a bubblegum type flavor. There's something called a blue java banana, which looks like a regular banana, that maybe Smurfs grew, but they're, they're blue. Um, and you taste it, and it tastes almost like vanilla ice cream. There's also fruit called a pine berry, which looks like an albino straw, strawberry. It just looks like one that hasn't been ripened. Uh, and you taste it, and it tastes like pineapple. We know that when we taste something uh, that doesn't tastes like it looks, it really either disgusts us or makes us take a step back. It kind of reminds me of the great 
philosopher Ron Swanson, who says, there's only one thing I hate more than lying, and that's skim milk, which is water that's lying about being milk. You know, the same thing can be said about the fruit of the Spirit when on the outside it looks righteous, but on the inside it's driven by selfishness. And that is what this section really opens up in the next 10 verses that Jesus is speaking to. He gives examples that we must guard ourselves that on the outside our righteousness is on display, but it's spoiled because the inside is not pure and holy. Uh, Tim Keller does a great job of helping to, to walk through all the fruits of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those, we know that there are good characteristics, that we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a righteous life. We know that there are opposites of those, spirit, those fruits of the Spirit. But there's also counterfeits. Things that look like it on the outside, but on the inside is not good. For example, love means to serve the good of another person. Its uh, opposite is obviously abusing people or self-protection. But its counterfeit version of love is when you love someone for the only reason of how they make you feel or what they do for you. That is a love that is expecting something in return. Uh, kindness. Kindness is which we have the ability to serve others in a way that makes us vulnerable. Because our, our trust, our, our, we have a deep security in God, so it allows us to serve in a way that is vulnerable to someone. Of course, the opposite is when we're unable to rejoice in the goodness of others, but it's counterfeit is when we manipulate, where we manipulate good deeds or we do good in order to get self-congratulation or congratulation of others or to get response from God or others. See, this is the second, this false fruit or counterfeit fruit is what Jesus is speaking to in this text. The principle Jesus is speaking to is that when you display this one fruit outwardly, yet inwardly there is selfish ambition. This chapter begins by helping us see that Jesus uh, shows that what you do in public has to be driven by how you, your heart feels uh, in private. And over chapter 6, he uses three examples, almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. And, and here, what we're looking at in verse uh, 1 through 4 is that Jesus is saying, be careful to give to get the congratulations and the reward of others. Now, we know that the whole Bible teaches about giving and generosity. 1 Timothy 6, 18 through 19 says, instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasures for themselves as, as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Jesus teaches a lot here in Matthew all throughout the book. He teaches throughout the Gospels. We read throughout the pastoral epistles and the, the letters that we as Christians have to be generous people. 
Why must we be generous? Not to, be, not to gain favor from God, but because we have received favor from God. That we have received the generosity of God that in our bankruptcy, in, in our inability to bring anything to him because of our sin and our evil nature, God has given everything to us. That he has sacrificed his son so that we might be forgiven. That the, the scripture that we know, for God so loved the world, he gave his son. Because of this, we as Christians should be overwhelm, overwhelmingly generous people with our time, with our talent, and with our treasures. But in the same way, it is the way that we steward these things that God has given us. We know that God is sovereign over even our money because he has given us our provisions. He's given us the skills in order to us to earn provision for ourselves and our family. We know that everything rightly is his and therefore we are to steward those things. And then in that, God calls us to steward these things generously. That God has given us blessing to be passing blessing on to others. Yet what Jesus is addressing here is, is not necessarily the reaction of people of not being generous, but instead the danger that we give hypocritically or we give generously for the wrong motives. A reminder for us that giving is a matter of a heart, not just what we do. Jesus is speaking the danger that we display supposed righteousness that we might, others might make over us. Or even worse, that we think that we're trying to earn favor from God or gain acceptance from God. So we must guard our hearts and lives from being hypocritical in the area of generosity. And in this passage, we're going to look at two things. The difference between hypocritical giving and righteous giving. So number one, if you're taking notes, hypocritical giving is motivated by honoring yourself. Hypocritical giving is motivated by honoring yourself. Verse 1 through 4, well, let's just read 1 through 2. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward with your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sit on a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. Truly I tell you, they have their reward. Verse 1 helps declare the understanding over the entire chapter when Jesus talks about, uh, about giving, prayer, and fasting. It helps us to understand that we, uh, that we should be doing things out of righteousness' sake and careful of performing piety or good works in front of people. The warning here is that there is no reward in this type of living. As a matter of fact, he says that those who, who seek reward or seek gain because they're doing so for a public manner to gain things in, uh, in back, he says they will receive the reward, but it will be earthly reward. They will get what they think. People will think nice of them, but it matters nothing in the halls of heaven. It's very similarly when we talked last week about loving. The challenge last week was what? Love your enemies. 
Jesus said, well, it's you can love people like you or people around you that is easy to love. Even tax collectors do those things, right? Like-minded people, it's easy to love like-minded people. What Jesus says radically is to gain reward or to understand the rewards or radical love of Jesus is to love people not like ourselves, even the enemies that persecute us. And what Jesus continues to say here is that if we, if we seek to do righteous living and we seek reward or earthly reward, fame, or acceptance, then what we're getting back, really, we get the reward of earth and not God's favor. But a righteousness that seeks public honor does not receive honor from God. It is a righteousness based on the world. Jesus then warns, when you give, don't go sound the horn or trumpet in for, before you. That's in verse 2. Now, scholars differ on saying how they describe or what this means or what Jesus was referring to in that day. Uh, some say that there was a, uh, there was a horn-type uh, collection uh, plate, so to speak. That's what our verbiage, but not theirs. Uh, a collection thing that was horn-shaped. So it was big here and sort of looked like a horn. So, wow, what was the practical nature of that? So people couldn't reach down in the bottom and, you know, snag some and take it away. So he's saying maybe don't give and then kind of toot that horn, kind of tooting that horn uh, in favor of you. Hey, look at me. Now, others believe that in Jewish tradition, what that meant was there was many times that people were called to fast, and they would fast for droughts or for different specific reasons. And so they would go to a time of fasting, and at the end of the fast, there would be a horn that was blown to end the fast. And it was also believed that if you would give alms or you would give, that it would be beneficial because then your prayers during the fast would be heard even more or be accepted more. And so when that horn would sound, the really righteous people would run out the door and make a big deal and run down to the temple and give and show that they, you know, uh, later on they talk about fasting and how you look poor and like you're dragging, like you've made a big sacrifice to the Lord. So what he's saying is these people would, you know, oh, look what I sacrificed for the Lord. Now I'm going down, I'm sacrificing even more and made a big to-do over their giving. Well, what Jesus is warning here is that these people were making more of the giver of the gift than of God. And Jesus goes further to then say that these people are hypocrites. That these are hypocrites that do these things. Hypocrites do this in the synagogues and on the streets. This is the first time Jesus uses this term here in Matthew. He uses a lot more towards the end of the, of the book. But in this, this term, hypocrite, in the original Greek language that the New Testament is written, it also means actor. And boy, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, a hypocrite is acting one way that's different than the inside. And that's a great way for us to understand it. Hypocrites can come in many different forms. A hypocrite could be one who feigns goodness but is actually evil, that they know they're evil, but they want to put on a good, deceptive uh, outside. 
it could be a hypocrite, is so puffed up with their own self-importance that they don't even see or know that they are doing something uh, deceptive, but it's because they so, think they're so important. They're blind to their own faults. But Matthew 6, 2 is more subtle than the other two because a hypocrite is one who has talked himself into believing that he is conducting himself with best interests of the needy in mind and then unaware that he's doing so to seek the gain of others. We're warned this way in Matthew 23, 28, where it says, In the same way, on the outside, you seem righteous to people, but in the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So we must guard ourselves. Be cautious about guarding ourselves, about being hypocritical in our giving. Maybe we do so in order to flaunt the fact that we are giving. Maybe we do so in order to gain control over other people or other, other things. And there's a story that I may have told before that there was a, a pastor that was met at the door with, by a lady in his congregation that was upset with some of the changes that were being made. And she, she went in and said, Pastor, you know I give a lot to this church. And he said, excuse me, ma'am, I'm just going to start you, stop you right there because certainly you are not saying that you want me as your pastor to be able to be changed or swayed by money. Surely you're not saying that because you give more, you think that that should change the way I feel as God is speaking to us as pastors. And she said, oh, no, 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 I'm not saying that. But she was kind of saying that, right? Many times we give thinking that we can gain control over something instead of what a generous gift is, is giving without any expectation of anything in return. Or maybe it's to gain something from God. Maybe you think by doing this that you're really storing treasures or favors from God in return. God, I can't believe that you're doing this thing to me. I can't believe this bad news that's come my way. I can't believe this has happened. Haven't I given to you? There's this belief that we have earned something from God by our giving. That's hypocritical. So maybe we need to consider the fact that when we are cautious to pretend to be a generous giver, that we're cautious of how hypocritical maybe our heart is. True generosity is giving without any, expect, any expectation of anything in return, which, number, which leads to number two. Righteous giving is motivated by honoring God. Verse 3 through 4 tells us and kind of helps us to understand this. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. As a believer, it is that giving generously understands that we truly want to honor God, honor His reward that He has given us, not the reward of others. Jesus contrasts this from the hypocrites that, that want to give publicly but Jesus is warning here your reward can't be earthly reward you want heavenly reward 
Jesus says that when we give, we must also give in a way that is pure in motives, pure-hearted, and honoring God alone. He uses this phrase, give in such a way that your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing. Now we know if you've ever tried in your self to try to do things ambidextrously and try to do something over here and something over here at the same time, it's nearly impossible to do. But you know that what Jesus is saying here is to do something so secretly that, we, that, we, that they don't know. He's being hyperbolic here to make a point. To avoid seeking earthly reward and earthly uh, announcements or, or earthly congratulations, do so in such a way that's so secret that you won't even be tempted to go down that path. Jesus is warning us to guard our heart so closely so we won't be tempted to change our motives. John Stott observes of this passage that Christian giving is to be marked by self-sacrifice and self-forgetfulness, not by self-congratulation. Generosity that honors God has nothing to do with self and has everything to do with God. That means as we give to our church, that we give to help others. When we give sacrificially, it brings something to ourselves, not only but only because it honors God. So how do we do this? Well, we kill the idol of self in our hearts. You know, there was a time that Paul asked the church at Corinth to give a sacrificial gift. And he, he talked to this church that was known to be of little means and could not really, what he was asking was to do something amazing overly and above generously. And they asked him to do this. And you ask, well, how could one do this? How did Paul do this in a way that he was expecting, he was talking to them to do something sacrificially? Well, listen to the key. In 2 Corinthians 8, 3 through 5, Paul wrote, I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped, instead they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. Well, that last sentence is the key. They first gave their hearts to the Lord. They gave it to the Lord saying, God, this is yours. This is what you want me to do. This is to honor you. And I want to seek to honor you in everything that I do. God, how might I honor you in this sacrificial gift? And then they obeyed and did because they felt it was God's will to do so. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by God's will. He, they asked, God, how might I serve you? They, might, they say, God, you've given me this gift. How might I use it to honor you? They ask, how might you want me to use your money to, to bless these people or other people? These are the questions that they asked. And then as God directed them, they obeyed and gave as God willed. So let us ask ourselves this morning, are you giving out of a heart full of love for God? Are you giving 
for other motives? Are you giving that others might notice you? Are you giving to gain something in return? Maybe it's control, or maybe it's a higher standing. Are you giving it all? Saying hypocritically, I give sacrificially, but you don't give anything. How might you be giving in a way that's hypocritical? The Bible tells us that we should repent of this hypocrisy, that we should repent of our heart, that we should go to the Lord and give our hearts to Him. How do we consider how much that we do this? How do we go and find our hearts connected to God? Well, brothers and sisters, just as in all things, the gospel is life. We keep going back to what God did through the cross. We go back to see what he's done through us, through Jesus Christ. We've seen that, that, that we are evil, that we have been, uh, that his wrath is truly owed to us because of our sinfulness. But instead, he gave the gift of grace and mercy through his son, Jesus Christ. It is through this gospel that helps us understand that his generosity is overwhelming, that we have the opportunity just to be a portion of generosity that he is to us. And when we are giving, we must not be giving for the praise of others. So let's not be hypocritical when we give. But between our heart and God, may we give generously just as he has given to us. Brothers and sisters, there's many blessings that can come from this. But we must be careful that our hearts and our desires and our motives match our heart for God and not the world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this reminder from your word and a reminder to check our hearts, not just in our giving, but in all things. Are we doing it for the right motives? So God, I pray in this important area that you would help us, that we would become generous givers, but not in the sake of, of pleasing the world, but in pleasing your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray right now, Lord, that if there's someone here in the fellowship hall or watching at home that doesn't understand your generosity of salvation, that they would trust you. They would look to your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross and how the sacrifice of him gives us freedom from our sins, forgiveness of our past, and a new life in which we are yours and we will enter eternity in heaven forever. Lord, I pray that today, even as we think about hypocrisy, that we think of the great love that you have given to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.